Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. We are here to suggest that mathematizing is not about mimicking or rote memorizing, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental mathematical relationships. That mathematics class can be less like it has been for so many of us, and more like mathematicians working together. We answer the question, if you're not teaching steps and algorithms in your class, then what are you teaching? Awesome. So for the last few weeks, we've been asking you to submit questions that you want answered on the podcast. And today is that day. So we decided to just grab a couple of those questions and spend some time on them to let Pam give you her take over a couple of episodes. All right. right. Are you ready? I'm ready. So bring them on. What questions are we answering today? So today we got an email from Drew Perdue, and this is what Drew said. Hi, this is probably not quite the kind of question that you're looking for, but I keep wondering. It's exactly the right kind of question. Right, right, if you're wondering. So as adults, we often think about coins to help us solve math problems. Obviously, money is a great way to visualize decimal amounts. My question is, do you think that today's children will grow up using coins often enough for that to continue to be a relevant strategy for them? As our lives become more and more digital, should we imagine today's children using coins in their adult lives, which leads to a larger question about strategies changing with the times. Thanks for all your work. The podcast is very inspiring to me. Well, Drew, thanks. We appreciate that. We're so glad that the podcast is expiring. I just said expiring. Inspiring Mm. to you. Um, And we really appreciate you reaching out and a super great question. Let's, Let's get right at it. So I want to talk about a couple things in your question. First of all, I want to point out um, nicely done in recognizing how important it is for students or people to have experience with relationships. Right. In other words, for you to suggest for to ask the question, ah, we're not going to we're, we're not dealing with coins so much anymore. Nine dimes, nickels, pennies, quarters. And so uh, it's been a great model in the past. Is it going to be a good uh, strategy for students to use? And I'm going to say it's more of a model for students to use uh, as they grow up because they're not using coins as much in their everyday lives. So recognizing that it is the experience that we've had that has really helped us as adults 
to be able to use that. Uh, it, it helps us think about decimals. That brilliant t- uh, pickup on that, that it is very important for us to have experience with them. This is one of the reasons, I'm going to land here for a second. This is one of the reasons why I stress so much that I do not think it is the place of a mathematics classroom to drill the steps of an algorithm. Right. In part, because that takes time. In order for students to get good at the steps of an algorithm, we have to spend time drilling them, practicing them, doing problem over and over and over, the steps over and over, uh, looking at their steps, making tweaking their steps, making sure they remember the order of the steps. That aren't, isn't re- are, the steps aren't really making sense for them. We need that time to be giving students experience with the relationships that are important. Mm-hmm. We need we need that time not to be drilling those steps that we're, I would submit, we're wasting that time. We are not using that time to our benefit if all we're doing is drilling steps of an algorithm. Because then what do we get? We get steps of an algorithm where kids are getting answers where they're not really thinking and reasoning. They're not um, building their reasoning for sure. They're just doing the same thing over and over again. Maybe they're getting correct answers, but y'all, if that's what you want or correct answers without building reasoning, just use a calculator. Like that's, we're, we're spending way too much time at that. So we need to use that time instead to help students gain experience with the important relationships. Therefore, then those important relationships can ping, ping. I'm saying ping, like ping, like a, like in a submarine when you have just one ping, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the, the movie Hunt for Red October where he goes, yep. just one ping. You know, they were like, what, what, when you see numbers, when you see something, what do you want to ping for you? In fact, I was just telling Kim the other day, I was messing around with Math Strat Chat, coming up with a new problem. By the way, I think carefully about those problems. And as I was thinking about the new problem, it was really important for me to know what 99 times 12 was. Well, Kim knows we deal with a problem, um, uh, 1188, divide, 1188 divided by 12 a lot. It's a great problem. We give it to students all the time. We have video of kids solving it. And so because of that, I know that 99 times 12 is 1,188. I know that relationship. I've, I've done it so much. I have experience with it. Well, having it ping for me while I was solving this other problem was really helpful. And I noticed that, like I was aware, oh, that was so helpful that that pinged. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to have that one, but there are some important relationships that we want to build in kids and experiences where it's at. We need time to build that experience. One other thing I want to mention about your question is you said what uh, this leads to a larger question about strategies changing with the times. I want to actually uh, parse out um, the word strategy just a little bit. Uh, in, a, in a prior episode, episode seven, I think, we talked about um, models versus strategies. Very important. If you haven't learned that, go check out that episode. It's a very uh, important distinction. However, today I want to parse out the difference between different strategies, meaning there are teaching strategies, how you teach, the way you teach, the way you approach teaching, the way you approach students and thinking. And there are also mathematical strategies the way you solve problems, the way you use relationships, the way you um, attack, the way you're going to think about solving a problem or attack using relationships to get further in, in what you understand or, or in, in how you're thinking about a phenomena. Those are different. And sometimes I think we might be talking past each other when we use the word strategy because we're not sure. So I got to be honest with you, Drew, in your question, you said this leads to a larger question about strategies changing with the times. That could mean are we going to want to change our teaching strategies with the times to which I'm going to say, maybe, maybe we're going to be able to learn from each other, some new ways of tweaking problem strings to make them even better. 
new ways of, uh, or new instructional routines, like which one doesn't belong is a fairly recent addition to our, our repertoire of instructional routines. And I love it. I love, especially when we do, which one doesn't belong. We'll put that in the show notes where we, when we play it, where we don't just ask kids to come up with one thing, one of the choices that doesn't belong, but where we ask them to think about uh, a reason for each one of the four choices yeah. to not belong. That's when it becomes really powerful, right? Not that we demand that, but what we ask, we, we challenge them to do that. And then we compare and, and there's like always pushing kids for um, encouraging them, challenging them to come up with more things. So will we come up with more teaching strategies? Yeah, maybe. Um, I think another example would be uh, Peter Lilliedahl and his new thinking classroom book. Uh, relatively new, where he talks about um, some teaching strategies about vertical non-permanent services and about visibly uh, change, visibly helping students see that we are, are choosing their groups randomly. Those are relatively new to me and I like them. I, mean, I think there's some really powerful things about those teaching strategies. Let's separate that then from the mathematical problem-solving strategies. I think that the relationships that are important aren't going to necessarily change. So for example, if we think about solving addition problems with, with whole numbers or even whole numbers and decimals, I think the relationships of the friendly landmark numbers and then either getting to a friendly landmark number or adding a friendly landmark number, like those aren't going to change. The, those are sort of major relationships that we need to build in kids for them to then be able to solve any addition problem that's reasonable to solve that a calculator. Those relationships, I don't know that those are going to change. I think the the mm -hmm. major mathematical relationships that are sort of inherent in the math. So for example, if I'm solving quadratic equations, the idea of knowing that those are connected to the x-intercepts on a graph, the idea that knowing that those are connected to the zeros of the function, I, I don't, that the solution set quadratic equation, that those mathematical relationships, I, those aren't going to change over time. Now, maybe we'll get a little deeper or better, or, or maybe we'll learn more connections. But I think the major relationships in the major phenomena, I don't think those are changing. We might disagree when I say I think I, I know the five major important multiplication strategies mm -hmm. that if every kid, if you know these five multiplication strategies, you can solve any problem that's reasonable to solve that a calculator. We could maybe have a conversation about that. You might say, well, I have a different five or I agree with four of yours, but this last one I would tweak or maybe we call it different things. But the relationships themselves, those are inherent in the mathematics. Those are inherent in what we're doing. I, I don't think those are going to change. So what I think you're asking more is now that kids have less experience with coins, and I agree with cash, like they just don't count back change like we used to have to do. I think that because kids have less experience with that, I think you're asking, is it still relevant? Is it still helpful to ask them to think about money to help them think about decimal relationships? And as in a couple of past episodes that we just did using money um, as a model to help them think about fractions mm -hmm. and denominators that are factors of 100. To which I say... Uh, I think, I think you are absolutely correct that we have less experience with cash and coins and counting back change. So what I'd like to do is give kids that experience. I think we need to understand money. I think it's really important that we understand money. Uh, maybe look at our national debt today and go, wow, we need to understand money better. Right. Look at the rate of consumer debt. And again, maybe we need to understand money a whole lot better. So what I would advocate is doing work with money in mathematics 
to help promote them, students being able to use those relationships mathematically, but also to help promote them understanding money. So to me, um, I totally agree with you. They have less experience. Let's give them the experience and then use it for a benefit. I think those can, they can ha- happen in tandem. I don't think we have to do one first and then, and then the other. I think they can ha- uh, happen at the same time. Let me mention one other um, sort of thing that maybe might give you a, a vision into what I'm talking about or a, a glimpse, a, a better visualization of what I mean. I used to be a graphing calculator expert. I, I kind of could still do that. I'd, I've turned my attention to other things. And so I don't typically, like I used to do whole workshops on how to use graphing calculators to teach um, math better. I still think we don't take advantage of the power of visualization like we could. So I would highly recommend that if you get a chance to take a good workshop on that, by all means do. Um, As soon as I come out with my high school workshops, which we are working on right now, (laughs) um, then you'll see some examples of that. But it'll be embedded in teaching the math. It'll be less of like, here's how to just use technology. It'll be like, here's how to teach linear functions. And of course, we're going to use technology um, as a tool to do that. The, the, the point I'm bringing up here is uh, early in my career when I was sort of just doing more of how to help teachers learn how to use um, graphing calculators to teach high school math, um, I was having a conversation with another colleague of mine. We were both T-cubed instructors for TI. T-cubed stands for Teachers Teaching with Technology. And a new calculator had just come out. And um, we were talking about, did we feel comfortable doing a workshop on that new calculator? You know, what, what, how, how did we feel about that? And I found it interesting that he said, whoa, whoa, I'm not ready. I'm not ready at all. And the more that we talked, it became kind of about the button pushing. It, it became about like, where would I find that thing? And I found it noteworthy. Like he was already better at that specific new calculator and where to where the buttons were and how to kind of access things. But I was actually pretty okay with doing the workshop that I was going to do with that new calculator, because I knew I was going to do the same kinds of things, uh, AKA teaching strategies that we brought up a little bit earlier. So the teaching strategies weren't going to change mm-hmm. how I exactly did them with that technology. I might need to like figure out where the button was or figure, you know, like uh, what's the keystroke sequence or, but to me, that's not important. That I can, I honestly, kids these days are going to be able to help me figure that out. It's, they're they're so intuitive, <laughs> right? Right. Like, get the kids involved. Kim, how many times lately have you said to your kid, "Hey, help me with this on my oh, computer or phone"? Oh, more or, than yes, more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> because you've got kids that are messing with it, and yep. they're really intuitive, and they they play with it, and so then you you do your strengths, which is helping me um uh, help. At teachers and and you pull your kids in when you need a little help with technology. <laughs> that, that that's yep. not important to you, right? So you're not right. spending your time doing that. So in the same way, I'm still an expert on helping teachers realize how to teach using visualization, using the power of technology to do things quickly and to to notice patterns. I don't need to be, I don't think, the expert on exactly the buttons to push and what the, the keystroke order is. That 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 can come. Kids can help us with that. Teachers, uh, especially if you're my age or older, maybe even a little bit younger than me, I think we need to be comfortable uh, kind of being in front of kids going, hey, let's let's learn together. You guys are better right. at tech maybe, and I'm, I I have the math knowledge, but but maybe we can learn both of those together. Uh, you're going to teach me some things about math, and I'm going to teach you some things about tech, but we're all in this together, and we're all going to continue uh, to learn. So right. hopefully... Um, that, that helps a little bit about uh, whether we can use coins and money as we go and whether teaching strategies are going to change over time. Regardless, I hope the podcast is still a little bit inspiring to you. Excellent. Fabulous. So we just spent enough time 
for one whole podcast with one question. So we have several <laughs> other questions that we're going to tackle in future episodes. Thanks so much for all the questions that you have sent in. Remember to join us on Math Strat Chat on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram on Wednesday evenings where we explore problems with the world. Yeah, and if you find the podcast helpful, please rate it and give us a review. That way more people can find it wherever they get podcasts and we can spread the word even farther that math is for them. Go ahead and keep sending us your comments and suggestions. We love hearing from you. So if you're interested to learn more math and you want to help yourself and students develop as mathematicians, then don't miss the Math is Figure Outable podcast because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figure outable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.